You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hello and welcome to Today in Sports Betting for January 30th, 2020. My name is Neil Rochlani with a very special guest. Um, this may be his very first podcast. Dan, have <laughs> you, you ever done one before? I don't I don't know what your history is. Is this, wait, do I do, is this microphone working, guys? <laughs> is this how this, what's, what is this? What is you this show? You may be one of the, one of the most veteran podcasters in all of podcasting. I've been um, called that. I've been called that. That's what that's what my guy Gil likes to call me. The only man walking the earth that had a podcast before the great Gil Alexander. Um, yes. I didn't think I even realized that I was at the forefront of something that was going to become this giant world-sweeping phenomenon. I was just like, cool, I get to have a show and I don't have to go anywhere to do it. That was That was what my take on my sports betting podcast back in 2009 and now here we are, eleven damn years later, almost to the day that I started that other show, and you guys have a show by the same name. I'm so excited! Thank you for I for know. letting me guest on this thing. We have thing. Uh, carried on the legacy, or at least we've attempted to. You guys are doing today. great. You guys have been hot. You guys have been uh, like winning is a great way to start a podcast. But more than anything, you guys are able to break games down, and that was what the original today in sports betting was all about. So I'm really excited that this is. This is off the ground, and I'm excited to guest on a show. It's fun for me to guest because I can get a little weird. Yeah, you've been my um, my greatest champion, so thank you for allowing me to uh, have you on the show and uh, get your betting knowledge. Everything I've learned about betting, I've learned from Dan Vespers, by the way. No way. No way. You're yeah. so good at Excel spreadsheets and all like the number <laughs> side. Of, no, the number <laughs> side of things. That was never my That was never my skill with betting was the number side. That stuff was always... Either over my, you know how some people. This is me revealing my shortcomings. I'm actually pretty good with numbers, but when it came to betting, I threw them all out, and it was this weird combination for me. Of it was like a weird. It was a blend of them being slightly too complex, and then creating this weird frustration in me. And so I just said, "Screw it! I don't need you." And I started doing it almost exclusively on. Uh, I test and emotional stuff. So I'm very big into the betting emotional side of things and finding the line value that way. But there's no chance that I taught you the stuff you know about how to interpret the numbers. No chance. That's all That's all ball with Neil. Well, thank you. Um, what I want to say, though, is uh, I really think that everything that is sort of 
in the line is sort of the, the metrics and the analytics. And maybe, maybe there's a, a rest day, you know, thing or a players out thing for the, um, the numbers, but pretty much the emotion has not been quantified yet. So I think you're onto something there. And I know your track record has been, uh, I'm assuming it's stellar this year. I haven't, I haven't tracked it as you know, I've been very delinquent, but, um, I'm trusting you're having a winning season. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I have so many, I mean, you know, there's so many projects happening that I haven't been able to do nearly the work that I would normally like to on the betting side. So I've been spot betting a lot of the really uh, infrequent Dan Bespris angles, the the injured star stuff, the returning star stuff, the altitude back-to-back, traveling from the West Coast, losing an hour of sleep stuff. So it's really, I mean, I've I've probably placed... I could probably count the number of bets I've placed this year on my on my fingers and my toes at this point. In that in that many games. What what the hell are we we're like 60% of the way in the season. I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but of the however many hundreds I got to I got to assume that we're in the what? 3-400 range? More than that of games played this year? I I've probably bet like 15 of them. So, but luckily you guys, especially our boy <laughs> Ira, Ira's betting on everything. That man's a lunatic. Oh, I love I, it. Ira, Ira, Devin, and uh, Josh are just are just they're they're nuts. They're wrestling. Great. They nuts. had a wrestling yes. wager on a show I listened to. That was amazing. <laughs> Royal Rumble. I, I mean, the, I didn't know. First of all, I you know I say I didn't know you could bet on that, but you can bet on everything these days. Um, I mean, the last thing I did with wrestling was playing an N sixty four wrestling game when I was like fourteen. So. Uh, it's just remarkable, man. Ira's got his hockey picks. Devin's got his college picks. Josh doing the the wrestling thing. But Neil, you and I, we get to do NBA today. We get to do NBA picks, Hell yeah. and Let's I get to learn thing. from the master. So should we um, talk well, about mybookie.ag? I think we probably should. I did it on Fantasy NBA Today, so you get to do it on this one. Oh, sure. So <laughs> when I go to bet, I only bet with mybookie.ag. Um. They are still doing a 50% match for up to $1,000 in matching, I believe. So up to $2,000 in deposits, $1,000 matching. If you use the code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, it can be done on any day, but just use that code TODAY and get a 50% match. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a big game coming up this Sunday that you may want to bet on. Um, I don't know if you're going to bet on it, Dan. Props, man. Yeah. Give me prop bets on the Super Bowl. Have, me, you, have, you, have you looked at those at all? I haven't yet, I but want, I, 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 okay. the, the national anthem is always a fun one, right? You always, <laughs> the, the, the public is always betting the over. Always betting the over. And it almost always ends up going under, if, as I recall. You know what I do remember from my, my more serious sports betting days was on a Super Bowl, and I actually wrote an article about this that got published in Southern Gaming Magazine. I still have the, the I have it in my closet. It's like the I've did, done two things in my life that got published, and one of them was a sports betting article. Um, for the Super Bowl, you want to take the underdog with the spread, and you want to take the favorite on the money line, because those numbers are actually off kilter almost every year, because the public, people that never bet on anything... Look at the Super Bowl, and they say, ooh, what does it mean, this plus 170 or whatever? I don't actually know what the line is because I haven't looked at it yet. And their friend, everybody's got one friend that's a degenerate like us, says, oh, that means that if you put $100 on the game, you'd win 
170 on that. So you'd, you'd bring 270 back if you won your wager. And so most people are like, oh, sweet. Like I can put less money on something and get more than that back. Give me that thing. And then as far as the, the spread goes, most people just assume that if a favorite's going to win, the favorite is going to cover. They don't think it through that way. If They, they say, oh, if I'm going to take the underdog, I'm going to take this weird, I can get more than my money back, money line underdog thing. So the, the line actually is usually shifted ever so slightly to create value on the favorite, or excuse me, on the underdog with the spread and the favorite on the money line. It's a depressed bet. And, you know, this isn't one of those things that's just going to work every single year. But if you did it for the next hundred years, you'd probably emerge profitable. I mean, if you did it for a million years, you definitely would. But even <laughs> yeah. even a hundred years is a, small, is a small sample size. So that's that's my one thought on the Super Bowl. And then um, let the public bet up the over on the national anthem and then take the under at the last second. Fantastic. Um uh, why, why do you claim you don't know much about numbers? That that whole thing was a numbers analysis. Uh, well, you know, but I mean, I had to write an article on that, so it's it's stuck in my head for a decade now. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember. It's literally the only thing I know about football is is bet those two things on the Super Bowl. The the only what what gets me every year in the Super Bowl props is this helps me understand just how functionally illiterate most people are. When there is a bet on a coin flip, and it's worse <laughs> than even money. And it's out there, and obviously people are making that bet. Of what course they are. You, of what course, does that tell you? It's very this? upsetting. It's why I have trouble playing roulette. It's, to me, it's like the same thing. Roulette is a very complicated coin flip, right? Because every oh, single yeah, bet yeah. you make, everything is just the odds are just a little bit lower. Than just what a little you. bit lower, exactly. That yeah, drives me nuts. But people are playing it. I don't get it. Damn. I've done it too. Last time I was leaving Vegas, on the way out, I took one twenty-five dollar chip and I put it on. I think I put it on black and I won. I thought, all right, I'm just going to I'm going to let this thing ride for a few plays. Uh, and then I put it on like the middle third mm-hmm. and I hit. And I don't even, I actually don't remember what the odds were, but I turned that $25 chip into like 100 bucks and then I just kept putting a $25 chip on different things and ultimately I you know, once I I figured once I lost one time I was going to call it. So I ended up winning like 75 bucks on my way out of the casino, but with the express knowledge in my mind of if I do this for more than like 3 minutes, I will lose my money. This, this, the odds are slapping me in the face with a giant metal gauntlet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I say all these things, and then I'm probably going to bet heads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and take the minus one ten on the head. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing with <laughs> the other thing with roulette is they have. Um, at least I haven't been to a casino in a long time. But last time I went, they would have um, what the last numbers were. Right? Oh yeah. Like the last ten, what they came up. That's just another sign of uh, financial literacy and people. Anyway, the better's fallacy is that the next one's going to be the opposite of the last one. Like the like the like the little coin or the little white marble has some sort of memory. Yeah, it's got memory. There's like five. (laughs) There's like yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So my my cousin actually taught me the the very the insane notion, which I now um, happily propagate this this the propaganda of betting on groupings because they are just as likely as alternating right they're all it's completely independent spin on that thing so a black could follow a black just as quickly as a red could follow a black um most people want to bet the opposite they see oh my god you know three blacks in a row just came up on this roulette wheel the next one surely has to be red i always go the opposite (laughs) way i'm betting on streaks i think it's gonna be seven blacks in a row before the next red comes up (laughs) 
and it's all complete <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. I do. Oh, I love casinos. They're so much fun. <laughs> this is the right uh, podcast, I guess. Oh. Um, we should probably transition to basketball. Who says who? Yeah, I guess that's fine. <laughs> hey, can I rant about this? Is yes. what you this is what you get, Neil, when you bring me on as a guest and not as a host. <laughs> can I rant about um, one of my spot bets from last night? Please. Okay. So um, everybody that knows me knows I had the Oladipo game circled from months out or basically the day he said he was coming back, January 29th, as I was going to be betting on Chicago unless something crazy happened in that basketball game. Now, I got skin in my teeth because this was a 9.5 opening line, and I got the Bulls plus 9.5. They ended up losing by 9. Those of you that didn't see how it got there might not realize how insane this was, but the Bulls were up 7 with 3 minutes to go in regulation, and I actually got into the shower at that moment and thought, the only way this thing gets ruined is if I get done with my shower and I still see basketball on my television because that means it went to overtime and I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get backdoored and I'm going to refrain from using any uh, foul language on this podcast. So I get out of the shower to Malcolm Brogdon hitting a three-pointer in overtime to put Indy up six with three minutes to go in overtime. So now five game minutes have elapsed. And India's not only wiped out the seven-point hole, but sent it to overtime and now leads by six with a 13-point swing. And I'm sitting there going, okay, um, you know, I'm still three and a half points in the money. What, uh, okay, we can hang on here. 35 seconds to go in the game in overtime now. Chicago is down two, and Zach Levine fouls TJ Warren on a three-pointer. This is my, I mean, they were running out the shot clock and he was firing a fading three in the corner and Zach Levine fouled him, steps to the line, hits two out of three, Bulls missed their shot on the next possession, uh, and then they basically, Indy basically ran the shot clock out after that. So I, TJ Warren, who is on a lot of my fantasy teams, missed a, missed a free throw and uh, saved my my spot wager. But everybody that knows me, and Neil, I think maybe we can start by even talking about this. The, the reason I had this game circled was big-time star returning creates a ton of value on the opposite side. I know this is a side you like to play as well, right? You fade the star coming back. Yeah, absolutely. This was a great bet on your your, your side. Um, do you know how they got to overtime, by the way? I don't. You probably missed that. You're no, I was in probably. the shower, yeah. It was Olo Diablo in a 30-footer. No way, um, really? Yeah, with, with like 10 seconds left, yeah, to tie it. Gross. And he was terrible, by the way. He was gro- he was not good in his first game back, which is basically what you're. That's what you're yeah. betting on. Yes, you're betting on that, and you're betting the whole. Uh, basketball is a very interdependent game, and and that that screws things up when someone comes back. So, totally, especially uh, a star, because no one knows how to react around them. There's at least uh, yeah, there's at least like three or four reasons why I fade. I love to fade these stars coming back. Number one, you mentioned the interdependency. There's there's an optimal lineup for a team, and. Uh, let me add the caveat here. I love to fade a star coming back on a team that's actually playing relatively well. That's the that's the real kicker. Because when Kyrie came back for Brooklyn, he came back to a team that was circling the drain. Hadn't they lost like eight games in a row at that point? Or something like 9 of 10 or like 12 of 13? They were really, really sucking. And so in that instance, there isn't a whole lot of value fading that team because they're already going to be undervalued going into a game the the star coming back might actually get that line back towards maybe a reasonable value. Uh, in a situation like this one, th- looking back even at, at last week or whatever it was, week and a half ago, when Z- I guess it was week and a day, when Zion came back was another recent example of this. Reason number one, it's going to disrupt 
the chemistry, which is what you were talking about. This is a team that knew how to play together, and now they threw in a high-usage cog that that's going to disrupt the offense. Uh, Oladipo took four standstill three-pointers. I mean, apparently he made one going to overtime that I missed in the shower, but the other ones were clangs, serious clangs. Number two, it disrupts the defense because he's learning how to play and communicate with a bunch of guys that he hasn't played with before. Number three, you get line value because teams are going to bet on the team with the star coming back. Number four, you get an opponent that gets up because they know this game has marquee value with a superstar coming back. So there's sort of four big reasons to me why you would fade a star coming back, and they all point in the same direction. As noted, the only reason I wouldn't do it is if a star, and I'm putting it in quotes right now, is a lower usage guy, which is hard to find in the modern NBA. But, you know, someone like a Ricky Rubio in Phoenix, even Malcolm Brogdon, who did come back for Indiana today, and I was pretty upset about that, He's not a giant usage guy, but he has a big-time impact on their team. So there are guys like that that come back where you want to actually play on the team. But when it's somebody that's going to me- the- throw a wrench into things the way little Oladipo definitely has to his first game back, I fade the hell out of it. I love it. I'm done talking now. This, this like, you're letting me, you're turning me loose here, and it's not fair. Oh, I know. This is why, this is why I love having you on. And I would, uh, have you thought about doing your own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a bit of what my I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to censor this one, I guess. My <laughs> my my grandfather referred to as a shitanopsis of the blowhole. That's a it's <laughs> an ailment I suffer from. That's fine. I'll 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 censor it. Don't worry. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. So what do we got on Thursday? Sorry, I, I took us in a weird uh, no, direction. I have a quick follow up to that, if you don't mind. I don't know how how um. You don't have to ask me if have... I mind. I'm the guest. Yeah. No. Injured star theory, is it just one, or would you ever go for a second game? Ooh. I never have the stones to go for game two, but I'm also a really cautious better, as you as you guys have just heard, and my 15 total wagers over, like, three and a half months of basketball. It often does last more than one game, though, which I'm sure is what you're referring to. It Sometimes it lasts two or three, uh, but it's a little bit less... It's a little bit less set in stone where that first one is almost every time you see the guys get up. And then game two, it's like, eh, maybe. And game three, it's kind of like, no, no, you're done at this point. So uh, the, the short answer to your question is I don't usually, even though there are probably times where I should have. Yeah, it's curious. I would like to track that. Um, I might go, go back <laughs> to the season at some point. Fire up the Excel, stretchy. Neil. Yeah. Fire up the yeah. Excel. <laughs> Boot up the laptop. To, um, to the Neil mobile. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said to the Neil Mobile. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Looking at tonight's slate, uh, let's transfer uh, or let's let's transition to um, tonight's games. We're starting with Toronto at Cleveland. Um, Toronto, a 10 point favorite on the road. 7 p.m. Eastern start uh, over under 220 and a half. Um, I. I am probably going to stay away from this game. Cleveland has looked terrible um, as of late. Um, they have lost like maybe nine of ten. It's crazy. The only team they te- seem to beat is Detroit. Uh, Toronto <laughs> is coming back in the form. Pascal Siakam's looking healthy again, and they are on a roll. Um, so everything would point to Toronto just keeping keep on steamrolling. But I think things come to an end. So I am probably just going to stay away from this. When the line's too high for me, do you have any thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> anytime I've got a home team catching double digits, that's the side I'm going to start with and sort of talk myself into or out of it. I, I'm almost, There's almost no chance I would lay 10 points on the road with a favorite. And then, like you said, it's tough to bet on a Cavs team that can only beat the Detroit Pistons. Um, they lost, I think, eight of their last nine. Toronto's won eight games in a row. I do love that Cleveland is using Larry Nance Jr. more often. He's been sort of a... a bright shimmering star and a sea of muck i mean by the time this game starts tomorrow someone on this team could actually be traded although that seems somewhat unlikely kevin porter jr looks pretty good they're gonna start turning the young guys loose a tiny bit and you'll see a little bit of i think kind of a uh nothing to lose mentality which is good but toronto is playing hard they're playing to win i'm not really all that worried that marcus soul is out the only thing i would look at there with no gasol is possibly a higher scoring game since he's one of their better defensive players in terms of kind of anchoring the middle of the floor. Uh, it's a really high total already at 220 and a half, but I would I would lean ever so slightly to the over and no real lean on the side. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I forgot about Gasol. I totally forgot he was out for tomorrow night, so thank you for mentioning that. Um, I just don't like games where they can get out of hand and then the totals can be very much screwed up at that point. Um, it can get very sloppy quickly. Anyway, um, let's go on to the second game of the night, Charlotte versus Washington. Charlotte um, on the road here and the underdog Washington favor by three and a half, total 227 and a half. Um, and he's, Washington's been banged up all year. They've kind of been on and off, but they've been scoring a ton of points. A ton. Um, either with win, winning or losing. Uh, Charlotte's not known for the defensive I mean, they're not terribly defensive, but they're not that good either. Um, so if I were to take one side, it'd probably be the over here. Do you have any thoughts on this game? Man, I don't. The The last two games for Washington have been completely crazy. The totals have been in the 280s. I, I can't. I really can't remember the last time that that happened for regulation ball games. I was with Atlanta and then with Milwaukee. They've given up 150 points in back-to-back basketball games. So that makes me really nervous. That's so I look at the over, which two twenty seven and a half. It's like, come on now, they've they've been at two eighty for a pair of games in a row, and then the projected final score of this game is Washington one sixteen, Charlotte one twelve, based on the line that we're looking at. Effectively, feels super weird, doesn't it? Like this is this to me is a line that's screaming, someone's going to do something weird, like slow it down and walk it up. And Charlotte is coming off a game where they scored ninety seven points. I actually have an ever so slight lean to the under, but only because I think something is amiss that they they feel like Charlotte is going to dictate the pace for some reason in this ball game, and I don't I don't have the reasoning why I couldn't I couldn't tell you, um, but overall I want nothing to do with this ball game. These are these are two terrible teams. Uh, the question is who dictates the pace, and if Charlotte dictates the pace, it probably stays under, and they I still don't know if they cover. And if Washington dictates the pace, obviously it goes over. I just I can't see Washington giving up 150 points in a row. Don't you feel like there's there's going to be this weird measure of pride where they're going to be like, okay, you know, we might lose, but we're not going to lose a 280 point game. It, don't you think there's some measure of that a pride thing that they gave up 150 twice? Perhaps, but I think this team has kind of been lost this season. <laughs> they are terrible. I, I don't I don't think I don't think um, Brooks has much control anymore. Um, the players are young. I just think they want to go out there and just play like play hard. And I mean, like they're shooting so many threes, both teams. I just think unless they're missing a bunch, I think it goes over. But 
like you said, the effort, you can't quantify that. Perhaps you're right about that. They'll come out and uh, slow down Charlotte. I'm not betting this uh, game as a point of reference. Oh, fair enough. Um, all right, next game, Philadelphia at Atlanta. Uh, Embiid is back. Um, Philadelphia, seven and a half point favorites on the road, 228 over under. Um, like you, I don't bet as much as I like to talk about betting. So I, <laughs> I, I am just staying away from this too. Unless something is really obvious or something seems off, I tend to just kind of avoid this because I have not been digging into it uh, as much as I like to this season. Atlanta's uh, competitive at home. That's my, that, I think that's my big take on this one. Atlanta is generally competitive in their own arena. They're not great, you know, they're they're not good anywhere, really, but they have been markedly more competitive, at least lately at home, than they have been on the road. They're they're overall they're terrible in both places. They're five and twenty on the road, seven and sixteen at home, uh, straight up. But if you look at their recent basketball games, they beat Washington by nineteen at home. They lost by a ton in Oklahoma City and in Toronto. They beat the Clippers, who are without everybody. Um they had a tight one with Toronto in their place. They had a weird one. Uh, where they got beat up by Detroit, but they had a nice win at home against Phoenix, competitive with Houston, competitive with Denver. These are good teams we're talking about, and now you're talking about a Philly team that's also pretty good but has struggled on the road. I would lean to the home team catching points in this one if I had to pick a side, and uh, I have no thoughts at all on the total because I, I don't I mean, again, it, it comes down to which team can dictate the pace, and it's it's hard to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Uh, next game, Golden State at Boston. Gosh. How the mighty have fallen. Boston, 14-point favorite at home against uh, the Warriors. Currently in last place in the West, unless I'm mistaken. Um, over under 215. Um, this is a stay-away game for me as well. Just because whenever there's such a big discrepancy in talent, I, I just don't. I think lines are just um, really hard to know how it's going to end up. Yeah, I would... Um... As as we as per usual, if there's a team catching that many points, I'm almost always going to look at the underdog. Once it gets into that 15 range, you 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 basically need a blowout to keep the backdoor cover out of the picture. So I would lean to the Golden State side on the side. Boston coming off a nice road win in Miami. That was sort of a, a statement win for them. They've got Philly coming in in two days. This is a this is a royal high class letdown spot. And they're down a few bodies. So I believe Jason Tatum is expected to miss this one. I think they're hoping to get him back by the weekend. And his canter's already been ruled out, so that thins out their bench. Not that the Warriors matter, because they're like most of their guys are are still worse than whatever the Celtics are trotting out there. But it doesn't feel like a game where they're going to come locked in, looking to blow them out. And it does feel like a game where the Warriors might come in and say, "Look, let's like, give them a run for their money." You know, we're gonna let's let's stay competitive. So I. Slightly to the Warriors' side, uh, on the side, relatively low total also makes me think that the Warriors sort of slog this thing out. Maybe Boston's not hitting on all cylinders on their outside shots. Do you, do you read anything into the 215 on the total? That's lower than I would have expected for this game. Yeah, it's a bit low, lower as well. But one thing I do, um, and this probably is not uh, great analysis, but um, Marcus Smart has not had two bad games in a row. As, as someone who has him on his fantasy team follows. <laughs> and he had a terrible game last time out. So if that trend holds, he, he might um, he might have a great game. I don't know, we'll Neil. It's like you're reading the roulette wheel results I for know, Marcus Smart. I know, but it's Dan, it's happened a lot. <laughs> it's yeah, happened it's a true. <laughs> That's right. It's alternated a lot. <laughs> it's alternated a lot. So it's got to be red this time, okay? Just, just go with it. <laughs> 
His last game wasn't, I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he had a fairly well-rounded performance at least. Yes, but I mean, he hasn't, he doesn't, I mean, his shooting is not good, as we all know, but he hasn't had like two really bad shooting games in a row from what I've seen. And he's going to be a bit, whenever he starts, he's a big, he's a high usage guy on that team. So that's true. I saw some DFS threads talking about how Marcus Smart chalk always hits when someone's out for that team and he moves into the starting lineup. He just loves it. But man, I don't, I don't, he's, he's their engine. If he comes into this game and is just like, yeah, you know, we beat Miami. We got Philly next. I'm going to, I'm going to save my, my juices just a little bit. That's enough for them to just that little dent is all you need for it to show up. Have these two teams played in Golden State already? That's going to be my question that I, I didn't have an answer to offhand, but I can check it out if, if, uh, if you don't have it in front of you. I don't. I'm looking it up right now, but if you find it, let me know. We're going we're gonna to run a check on this one. Uh, the answer to the question is yes. Boston actually won by five in Golden State. That was a pretty tight ball game back in early November. Um, yeah. Did, uh, was Steph already out by then? He was, as far as I remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're mm, right. Interesting. So, yeah. So no, yeah, normally I'd say that's an interesting revenge spot for the Warriors, but they actually gave them a pretty good fight in that game. Celtics only shot 41% from the field, did not have a particularly good shooting night. Um, it wasn't like it was a look-ahead or a letdown game. They were going to Sacramento two days later. They had just beat Washington by seven at home. Um, the question, I guess, for Boston right now is, you know, what is this team? They, they blew out the Lakers and they blew out the Grizzlies. They had a good game against Orlando. They didn't have a great game against the Pels, kind of went in there and, and the defense let them down. And then they played better again in Miami. They're, they're, they're playing a little bit to the level of their competition. And so I, I guess, I'm, I, yeah, I'm dodging the total, but I would, I would lean to the Warriors side uh, in terms of just kind of looking at the way their games have gone. Like they've been tight. They've had tight games with a lot of teams that they shouldn't have, and they've had really good games with excellent opponents. They feel like a team that just doesn't... They save themselves for the big ones. Well, they did lose New Orleans uh, two games ago, so you're right about that. And they lost to Phoenix as of late and Detroit. So, um, But then at the same time, they whipped the Lakers. They right. nearly beat the Bucks. You know, they've had They beat the Miami Heat. They have these games where they wake up in a big way, and then they have equally sad games where they're like they're getting taken to the wire by the Hawks and losing to the Pels. Oh, actually, I kind of yeah. like the Pelicans, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, um, yeah, so we'll see how they come out and play. I think you're right, though, about uh, Smart is the engine that makes it go if um, Tatum's out. And if he does pull back a bit, then Golden State looks like the side to be on. Um, all right, one more game on the docket. I, oh, excuse me, two more games. Yeah, uh, Utah, one, with a, one with a line, though. <laughs> yes, one with a line. That's what... <laughs> threw me off. Um, Utah, Denver, Utah playing tonight or playing on Monday night. Um, oh, excuse me, Wednesday night. I'm so confused. Um, <laughs> what day? Utah, is it? <laughs> Denver minus one. Back to back in altitude is Utah. Um, does that uh, tickle your fancy? Uh, it might have if they had beaten the Spurs. I don't like that they lost. It makes me think they're going to come in a little with a little extra focus. Uh, there's there's a pretty good battle going on for that two through four sect of the Western Conference playoffs right now. So I, I you you know me, I like the back to back and altitude fade when they're coming from the West Coast. This was actually coming from Central Time, so they gained an hour flying back up into Mountain Time. Um, 
So I think they're going to be fine. It's, it's going to be a weird one for them, but they're used to the altitude stuff, so I'm not too worried about it. I, I, I wouldn't use that to factor into my handicapping. Um, how about the Spurs, though? They're all they over are, the map, man. They are all over the map, as, as, um, as one might not expect, but they do play against very good teams very well, which yeah. I guess one would expect. And they did again tonight. Yeah, um, all these teams where you can, if you can isolate the teams that play to the level of their competition, you have a pretty good feel for, you know, you take the dog with the points when they're playing a clunky team. You take that team, the one that's playing up to the good clubs when they're going in and, and having these these big time efforts. And that's kind of San Antonio right now. Yeah. Um, well, what the hell any, else so is do you have on? a preference on this side? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Denver is... It, the injuries seem to be catching up with them a tiny bit. So at the same time, while I, I'm I'm not using any of this the altitude stuff to fade Utah, um, and I also man, I, it's tough. I just I feel like Denver needs, and this is a crazy thing to say, but I was reading some articles on it on uh, on Wednesday. They really need Paul Millsap back for whatever reason. He's been kind of their defensive anchor, and since he's been out, they've been giving up points by the bowlful their defense has really tailed off lately i don't i don't believe he's expected back for this game tonight so i you know to that end i would say coin flip man and i think that i think the line is right and then i think the total feels oddly high given the two teams um so i you know the the back-to-back in altitude you might see defense suffer a tiny bit does does denver play fast and loose again not defensive their their defense has been bad without Millsap. I would I would look ever so slightly at the over, and I want nothing to do with the side. Where are you sitting on this one? Oh yeah, so I mentioned it's two fifteen and a half on the over. Um, I am leaning Denver. Um, I get a home. I get I get two teams that I think are pretty much evenly matched, and I'm getting a team at home, and I'm getting a team not on the back to back. So just with those three things, I'm gonna lean Denver. I think I'm gonna take them tomorrow. All right, heads uh, have fair man have at it. I have no I have no feel on this one. Yeah, yeah. Well. You and me both. But anyway, I like to <laughs> Don't um, say that. All right, You're hosting a podcast, man. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, you know, the NBA is, uh, it's, it's, it's a make or miss league. So it can be tough sometimes. Very true. Um, Very true. Sacramento, uh, LA Clippers. Um, uh, no line as of this moment. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, I assume we're so, waiting on Paul do you wanna, George. Do you want to try to predict the line here? Is that what we're waiting on? Is this are we waiting on Paul George? Is that the assumption here? This is a back to back for Sacramento, by the way. Yeah, and Sacramento, I think they're still playing at the moment. They are. They are still playing as we speak. They're down fifteen. That's probably why. To, yeah, uh, we don't know who's going to be in the lineup just yet. As a two and a half point underdog, they're getting clobbered by OKC in the third. But I guess there's still plenty of time left in that one. Um, Sacramento on the road at Clippers. Well, on a back-to-back, oof. This could be a double-digit line. If Paul George plays, I think it will be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would stay away. Yeah, it's going to be Sacramento for me or anything, again, once you get into those double-digit stuff. I think, honestly, I'd be more inclined to bet the Clippers if Paul George sits because Kawhi Leonard's been going nuts, and they've been very good at home. Um, if Paul George plays, then you get a little bit of that that strange dichotomy of the two stars trying to work off of one another and playing kind of trade-off iso ball instead of what they normally would do on offense. So I think if Paul George plays, I might actually take a shot on Sacramento, depending on how the the end result of this Wednesday game goes. If they just get full-out embarrassed, maybe I just pass completely. If they 
uh, wage a comeback against Oklahoma City after we sign off here, then um, you know maybe they say, oh, they're riding the momentum a little bit right now. Uh, but it's Sacramento or nothing for me as we predict the line. I'm going to say if Paul George sits again, by the way, Patrick Beverly is probable for this game, so it looks like they'll get their point guard back. And, and that's a big deal because he'll be on De'Aaron Fox for large stretches of the ball game. Uh, I would say the Clippers are over Sacramento probably on a neutral court is somewhere in the six to seven point range. Three points for home court, another two for back-to-back. I think you're probably looking at about uh, somewhere in the 10 to 12 range online. Let's call it like a nice even 11. Are you so when you see a double digit uh, spread? Are you would you ever bet the favorite? Yeah, there are times. Um, okay. There was a, a game earlier. I can't. I can't remember the day. There was a game earlier this year where I think someone was laying double digits in Golden State, and I and I took them because I think I think it was the game right after Christmas for the Warriors because they had just beat the Rockets. I might be off by one game. And I thought, nah, this is this has let down all over. No, I think they may have won another one over Phoenix or something like that. There was some game in there, maybe it was the one right before or two games after, where I thought, all right, this is this is the time where the the wheels come off, and I and I I, I laid the points and it worked. So there there are rare instances where I'll do it. It just it takes effort for me to for someone to talk me off of the the gigantic underdog. I just I start with the team catching ten or more points. And then I talk myself in the other direction. If I can talk myself all the way across the line, then I'll think about it. But a lot of the times I just get mostly to the I'd rather not portion of the proceedings and leave that sucker alone. Uh, fair enough. I think that might have been the Dallas game. Dallas mm. coming to, was that it? That sounds right. When the hell was yeah, that? One, that was the one oh, by 20. Oh, that was the 28th. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was that giant card on the Saturday after Christmas. That's right. Yeah, they got, they got clobbered in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, because it's it's the- it smelled it reeked, man. Sorry, that's my last thought on that one. It was Dallas laying ten and a half. I don't think they had been playing that great going into that game, and the Warriors had just rattled off a couple big wins. One on you know the the Christmas, the nationally televised one, and then I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Laying ten and a half on the road, you're trying to tell me that Dallas is like an eleven ish, twelve point neutral site favorite here. It felt crazy, and then. When you see something like that that feels a little crazy, that's when you start to dig a little deeper. And so that's um, that's how I ended up over on the Dallas side in that ball game. That is why you're the best better I know. Meh. Meh. Uh, if I was, if I was the best better you knew, I'd be filthy rich and I wouldn't be living in a two-bedroom apartment. I'm an okay better. You're in the <laughs> same neighborhood as LeBron James. Well, yes. well, I mean, we're... Same, same zip code, right? Yes, it is the same zip code, See? but it's a very Come different. <laughs> My entire complex couldn't fit in his house. <laughs> there are one, two, three, four, five, six. There are eighteen units in this building, and you could fit them in like the front, like the first third, oh, the please. the foyer of LeBron's <laughs> house. There was one time, you know. We've got a three-year-old kid now, my wife and I, so we don't get out very often. But we had a babysitter for like two and a half hours one night, and we went to dinner, and we finished in like an hour fifteen. We had some time left. So we actually just went cruising around the Brentwood Hills, uh, checking out the houses around LeBron's house. I mean, he's way up a, a thing. You're not gonna you're not gonna just see it from the main drag. But they are they are significant. <laughs> the houses up there. They are significant, man. Um the Christmas lights alone at that time of year, like they're light they're lighting up an entire neighborhood from one house. It's crazy. It's like a solar flare. And then we drove home and we were like, Well, you know. It's not so bad. At least it's at least it's like sixty-two degrees and clear on in mid-December. We'll take it. I know. 
Yeah. I know, you know, I had to have a chance to uh, congratulate you in person. So on, oh, on for the, number. Oh my god! I wanted to do it. I, I didn't want to do it before the show. I wanted to do it on the on the well, recording. Well, thank you. Yeah. What the yes. hell have we done? Is my response to that. What have like What have we gotten ourselves into? It's gonna be. It's gonna be a wild adventure. We've done it once. So uh, kid number two, due in almost exactly two months. Holy crap! That's soon. Oh my god! I didn't realize it was so soon. Yeah, it came up quick. Time flies. <laughs> oh my god! Two months. Well, you're you're the Iron Man podcaster. We know that much. So. Not anymore, because you guys filled in for me. Thank you no, so much. For you that. are doing. Uh, the, what's your streak now on the main show? On um, I don't know. I'm looking to break it as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it might occur. I know about two months and two days from now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thereabouts. You think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna bring my laptop into the delivery room, and you're you're gonna have to, it's gonna be live from live from labor and delivery, the fantasy NBA Today podcast in their fantasy head-to-head playoffs, and I'm gonna have a lot of doctors telling me to shut the hell up. I, you know what? I think if you bring some Oreos, Asher might be able to do uh, just <laughs> We before we went on air, this is the last thing we gotta talk about on today's show. Before we went on air, Asher, my son Asher, that's his name. Uh, was begging for an Oreo before he got in the bath. And we were going to basically say no. But then I thought, nah, do we really want to fight about it right now? And Neil was kind enough through the magic of the internet to offer Asher his Oreo. That was very kind of you. And so that way he was able to get a cookie and then it also looked like mom and dad didn't cave. It was really, that's a big time win in parenting and a golf clap for you, Neil, for stepping in. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, tell Asher I've got his back. So. Yeah, he knows. He knows, man. Yeah. You got him the Oreo. He knows. Yeah. He'll well, da- fantastic. He'll Thank you so much. Yeah. For, for coming on, man. It was fun. You're the best. Uh, you're uh, the, the captain. You might not be the architect, but you're the captain. No, uh, ca- the captain himself. Captain Kanegis. Kane- Kurt. Kurt's the captain. I don't know what I am. You can call me the, the czar. Can I be the czar? Okay. The czar of hoopball.com? Yeah, I'll be the czar. <laughs> You're the czar of hoopball. The grand, Please. the royal vizier. Yes. I'm like Jafar yes. and Aladdin. We've been watching a lot of cartoons around here. It's just going to keep on going, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> all right, yeah, please check out all our stuff at uh, hoop-ball.com. Follow us on Twitter. You are at Dan Bespris, B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I'm sure everyone already knows that one. I am at Ball with Neil. We've got um, at Iris Silver Magic. We've got at Josh Millman. We've got at, you got to help me on this one, Delhi. I think D-A-L-E-007. Yes, yeah. you are right. I've been typing um, that a lot for uh, your That's your uh, Devin games. Ellington, another co-host here. He's fantastic, better as well. So uh, thanks, for everyone, for joining us. Um, and we'll be back again uh, for Friday's Games. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.